Here's Jim with part two. I hope you guys are excited as I am. See you next week. Last year, Netflix released a show you might have heard of, Marie Kondo's Tidying Up. If you've never seen the show, it's pretty amazing. Marie Kondo has this very unique system that she uses to help people bring order to the chaos in their homes. If you haven't seen the show, it's a very sophisticated system, and I'll try to explain it to you. Essentially, you throw out everything that you own, and then you neatly arrange whatever is left over. Her theory is based on a question, and the question is this. Does it spark joy? She'll tell you, like... Take all your t-shirts one by one, hold them in your hands, look at them, feel them, you know, smell them, and ask the question, does this spark joy? And if the answer to the question is yes, you keep it. And if the answer to the question is no, it doesn't spark any joy, then you get rid of it. You donate it or you trash it. Now, guys, if your wife walks up to you one day and grabs you by the arms and she starts looking at you and smelling you, watch out. Chances are she's watching Tidying Up on Netflix, and in her mind, she's probably asking the question, does this spark joy? And if it doesn't, watch out. See, here's the thing. We all know this, but, but the show has made it so obvious for us. We drag things from our past into our present. We drag things from previous seasons of life into our present, and ultimately, it affects our future. And we don't do this intentionally. It's, it's, it's like we, you know, not like we set out to do this. I just want to be a hoarder. I just want to keep everything that ever crosses my path. No, this just kind of naturally happens. We do this unintentionally. We tend to hold on to things, don't we? Like, like furniture, right? We get that couch that was really, really cool, you know, like 20 years ago. And now it's broken. It's beat up. It's smelly. No one's ever going to sit in that thing again. But we're still holding on to it. We do it with technology, right? We've got cassette tapes that we have saved for years and years and years, but we don't even have a cassette player anymore. We do this with clothing. I love t-shirts. And years ago, I had a favorite t-shirt. I say that I had because it has since disappeared. This t-shirt of mine, at one time it was white, but over the course of many years, it had uh, faded and been worn to a nice gray patina. It had some uh, Irish logo on it because Notre Dame, of course. Uh, it, it, the logo was kind of peeling badly. According to my wife, it smelled and it looked horrible, but I loved it. And if it was clean, I was wearing it because it was just so comfortable, right? No, no other t-shirt fit me that way. I, I don't know what it is for you, but we all have these kind of things that we tend to hold on to. And without even noticing it, these things can begin to kind of weigh on our lives. They, they get in the way of our lives. This is the reason why getting rid of the old makes such a huge difference. We see this on the show on Netflix, right? The couple or the individual, when they kind of walk back into their house and Marie has worked her magic, they begin weeping. They're just blown away by the change that has happened and how things have kind of tidied up. It's amazing. And it's in those moments after things have been tidied up that we realize how much all of those other things were simply dead weight. They weren't contributing anything to life, but yet they were there. They were taking up space, and without even knowing it, they were getting in the way of us experiencing life. The same thing is true with our mindsets, our perspectives on life. We can drag them from one season into another. We do this with our emotions, right? With, with baggage that we've had from previous seasons of life. We can kind of drag it into our present and into our future. And we can do this with our habits as well. Things that we develop in high school or college, we just carry with us. We drag them into our present from our past, and it ultimately affects our future. This is why getting rid of the old can make such a huge difference. 
Now, we kicked off this series last week called What's the Difference? And we're talking about the idea that we have this kind of internal evaluator inside us that constantly is evaluating everything we do in life. And the question it's asking at its core is this, what difference does it make? What's the difference? Does this add value to my life? Does this make things kind of run smoother? Does this save me time? Does this help me in relationships? Does this help me with my kids? Does this help me in my career? What's the difference? And if it doesn't make any difference, we become indifferent towards it, don't we? We kind of lose interest. Maybe you've experienced this before, right? You're you're walking through Sam's Club one Saturday afternoon and someone's there doing those product demonstrations. You know, there's this new blender and it just looks amazing. The way it, it chops and it, it purees and smooths the food. You just think, if I get this, this will change my life. It will save me time. My family will eat healthier. Smoothies every morning. Where do I get one? And you bring this blender home. You use it maybe once, maybe twice. Then you put it away. Six months later, you're cleaning out the cabinets and there it is. Oh, that blender that I used only once. It didn't make a difference. So I kind of became indifferent towards it and we get rid of it. And this is, you know, one thing when it comes to the latest gadget, it's a different thing when it comes to our faith. You see, we can ask the very same question about our faith. What difference does it make? What difference does following Jesus really make? What difference does church make? What difference does engaging with my faith in my life make? And if we're constantly asking the question and we begin to conclude that the answer is none, that our faith doesn't make much of a difference and our relationship with Jesus doesn't make much of a difference or church doesn't make much of a difference, well, then we become indifferent towards faith and towards Jesus and church. We begin to drift away. We begin to kind of disconnect. And in doing so, we miss out on the life that we could experience. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. We miss out on that when we drift away from faith. After all, Jesus didn't show up to to not make a difference. Jesus was a difference maker. And so we're taking a few weeks to answer this question, what difference does it make? What's the difference? Last week, we looked at this verse from Paul uh, in his letter to the Romans. It says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we have peace. We, we have unity with God. Our relationship has been restored. Our relationship has been defined. We don't have to wonder or worry about where we stand with God. And that makes a huge difference in our lives. After this verse, the Apostle Paul continues to unpack grace and this love that God has shown us. And there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more, to make God love us less, which is like an absolutely amazing thought, isn't it? But this thought usually leads to a question. Well, does that mean then that we can just live however we want? Does that mean we can kind of do whatever we want? And I imagine that as Paul traveled around the Mediterranean Rim and taught about the idea of God's grace, that he bumped into this question a lot, over and over and over again. So in in his letter to the Romans, it's as if he's kind of teaching about grace and he knows what their concern is, and he's just going to go ahead and and answer it right there. He says it uh, following that verse. He says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that the grace may increase more? If God's grace continues to increase when when our sin increases, then we can never out-sin God's love. And if that's the case, then shouldn't we just go on sinning so that God's grace may increase? We should sin even more. If God's grace is this amazing and there's nothing we can do to make him love us less, then can we just do whatever we want? And Paul says, by no means. And there's really not a great translation for for the English here. In the original language, he's using some really, really strong verbiage to convey this point. By no means, absolutely not. And then he tells us why. 
He says this, we, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We, meaning the Jesus followers in Rome. We, meaning you and, and I, if we're following Jesus. He said, look, something is different. Something has changed. You have, you've died to sin. Why then would we go on sinning? Why would we continue in that sin? Another way to think about it is this. It's like that favorite t-shirt I had. Although I loved it and it was awesome, it was faded and it was gray and it was worn and smelly. And although I, I loved it, the reality is, if I were to wear it today, you'd be like, you need to get rid of that shirt. Right, right? They, they wouldn't use these words essentially, but they would say the shirt is dead. Right? You, you've died to that shirt. You need to live. You don't need to live in it any longer. You, you don't need to wear it any longer. And that's what Paul is saying in this verse. He's saying, we are those who have died to sin. Those of us who put our faith in Jesus, something has changed on the inside of us. We've died to our old ways of living. We can no longer live in it any longer. When we do, it's obvious to everyone else around us. Hey, we died to this. That's not you anymore. That's not me anymore. We don't need to live that way any longer. And Paul is say, saying this. He's saying that the truth is you need to live as if that's true. You need to live as if you've died to that sin. Now, this is not some weird mental trick that we do. It's not something that we just kind of believe and then take, you know, everything kind of take care of itself. There's actually something we can do about it. And in another one of his letters, his letter to the Ephesians, he unpacks this and he gets really specific about what we can do. And in this passage, he's writing to them about what they can do kind of individually in order to build up their entire church. He wants them to experience maturity and growth. And he says, look, it's going to require everybody doing their part, everybody kind of playing their role. Here's what he says. You were taught, meaning that maybe the last time I visited you or several times ago that I had visited you, I taught you these things. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. And I love how he says that, your former way of life. He reminded them something has changed. There's something about your life that, that, that are, are, you're no longer, that's like your former life. It's no longer defining you. It's no longer what you identify with. That was your old way of living. In regards to your former way of life, put off your old self, like put it off, lay it aside, purge it, get rid of it. Even though it's dead, we still have something we need to do with it. Even, even though we've died to sin, there's still something that you and I can do. This is a process of putting off the old. And, and what Paul is saying here is, is that you need to put it off. Whatever belongs to your old self, whatever belongs to your former way of doing things, before you met Jesus, and he began to kind of shape your mind and your worldview and, and, and the way that you see things, whatever that is for you, and it's different for all of us, it's going to be unique to all of us, I imagine if you'd had just a moment, you'd be able to think about what that actually is for you. But whatever it is, Paul is saying, look, get rid of it. Get rid of that, that old thing. Why? Because it's, it's being corrupted by its deceitful desires. This word corrupted here actually means it's an ongoing process of being spoiled or rotten. It's in the ongoing process of being ruined, the ongoing process of being destroyed. It's not just that it is destroyed, it's that it's being destroyed. And the thing that's corrupting it, the thing that's destroying it is its own deceitful desires. We've all experienced this, haven't we? We get tricked into thinking that we really want something and we're sitting there in one moment desiring that thing at the very same time knowing, wait a second, I know this isn't good for me. I know this isn't something that I should do. I, but yet I really want to do it. I desire to do it. And that's what Paul would say is your old self. It's being corrupted. It's being destroyed because of its own deceitful desires. And so it's actually even worse than it looks. 
It's not just that t-shirt that is out of style, the t-shirt that is actually, the t-shirt is actually rotting, right? The t-shirt is spoiled and it's in the process of being spoiled. It's in the process of being destroyed. And that's what Paul is saying about our old self. That when our old self kind of hangs on to us, not only have we died to it and not only do we, does it no longer fit us and it's no longer in style, it's actually corrupting us. It's actually destroying and ruining our lives. It's in the process of rotting and decomposing. It prevents us from living the life that we wanna live a life to the full. What, when, what ultimately destroys our, our future is our old self. It destroys our future. And that's what Paul is saying. You need to put it off. You need to take it off. You need to lay it aside. You need to get rid of it. And the beautiful thing is that as we follow Jesus in our lives, as we kind of fix our eyes on him and pursue what he wants for our lives, he helps us to put off our old self. The journey that we take with him requires it and it enables us to do it. As we follow Jesus, as we engage in things that he calls us to engage with, we will begin to notice that the things in our lives that aren't adding value, the things in our lives that aren't leading us in the direction that we want to go, the things that, that are downright harmful to us or to the people around us, we begin to get rid of. You see, following Jesus will eventually lead you to get rid of some of those things. And as we follow him, we, we kind of bump into these things. It's like, oh man, that's not helping me in my marriage. That's not helping our relationship. I need to get rid of that. This isn't helping me be a better parent. It's kind of destroying my relationship with my kids. I need to set that aside. As we follow Jesus, we say, okay, this is hindering me in my career and it's, it's hindering my influence at work. So I've got a decision to make. Am I gonna set it aside or am I gonna continue to let it affect me in my future? You see, it's not immediate though. If you're new to Christianity, if you're new to faith, you may think, God, I, I gotta get rid of everything in my life immediately. I've gotta like clean house but it doesn't always happen that way. And even for those of us that have been saved, you know, following Jesus for 20, 30, 40 years, we still bump into things. We still bump into things in our life where it's like, oh, that's part of my old self. That's something else that I gotta get rid of. That's something else that I need to kind of put off. See, as you follow Jesus, you become more and more aware of the dead weight in your life. You become more and more aware of those things that are hurting you and hurting those around you. So here's the question for you today. There's no judgment. There's no shame. This is a question. It's really not about that. This is about experiencing the difference that Jesus can make in your life and in my life. Here's the question. What in your life needs to go? What in your life needs to go? What in your life, if you're being honest, would you say, yeah, that's, that's part of my former life. That's part of my old self. I need to let go of that. What is it for you? Maybe it's anger. Maybe you've got this anger that just started years ago. In fact, you can't really remember a time when, when this didn't kind of crop up in your life and you've just justified it, right? Just explained it away. You know, I've, I've got a short fuse. My dad, you know, my granddad had one. But the anger is part of your old self. And then if your wife were talking about it or your kids were talking about it, if somebody that was close to you was talking about it, they'd say, yeah, that's, that's not you anymore. That's part of your old self. You need to put it off. Maybe it's bitterness, it's some sort of resentment, some sort of hurt. Someone maybe hurt you in, in a previous season of your life and you've never dealt with it. You've never let it go. And now you continue to hold this resentment, this bitterness towards them, or maybe towards a, a group of people, or maybe just towards life in general. And you realize that it's suffocating <clears throat> your life every single day. You need to let it go. Maybe it's jealousy. There's just something in you that when you see what other people have or what other people are experiencing, there's just something in you that wants it. And you open up social media and you see what they're driving and you see how they're living and you see what their kids are doing, what their family is doing or what they're wearing. 
And, and in you, if you're honest, you would say it's almost a daily thing where this jealousy, this envy, just wanting what other people have, it kind of rises up in you. That's part of the old you, and you need to put it off. Maybe it's a habit of some sort. It's a habit that, you know, you brought from a previous season of your life, you know, from high school or college, you developed this habit. You were never able to really break it. Maybe it's a public habit and people know about it. Maybe it's a secret. Maybe you're the only one that knows about it, but it's dead weight and it's affecting you and it's affecting those around you. And it may not be for a couple of years, but at some point that habit's going to catch up to you. It's going to cause destruction in your life and it may be in the lives of those around you. You need to put it off. What is it for you today? What in your life needs to go? And once you get clarity on that, then the next question is this. How long do you plan to hold on to it? Once you see the old self that's still kind of holding on to you and it, 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 it's, it, it's keeping you down, how long do you plan to hold on to it? How long are you going to let it hold on to you? How long are you going to let it hold you back? Paul's encouragement to you today, my encouragement to you today would be, hey, you've died to that. You've died to that old way of living. Why would you live in that any longer? So follow Jesus, pursue uh, him, put your eyes on him, pray and ask him, God, what in my life is dead weight and holding me back? And then when he shows you what it is, put, put that other stuff off. Experience the freedom in the life that Jesus has for you. That, that could impact your family and your spouse and your work and, and all of those around you. That would make a difference because that's what Jesus came to do. To make a difference for you to offer you a better life, to offer you more. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for Paul's words here. God, for reminding us again how easy it is to bring our past, to bring our baggage, to bring, to bring God something that we've held on to for years and years. God, maybe it's something that even comforts us because we've had it for so long. And we bring that thing from our past into our present, God, and it, it, it erodes, it destroys, God, our future, and in some cases, even our present. God, I, I pray that you would give us the courage to ask that question. What in our life needs to go? What in our life is dead weight? God, I pray as we take that step, as we are courageous enough to ask, God, that you would help us find that answer, that you'd give us the wisdom to see those things in our life that are dead weight, those things in life that Paul would say, put it off. You've died to those things. They should no longer have a grip on you. God, help us to see it, help us to identify it, and help us to put it off. God, for those of us that have been holding on to, God, maybe, maybe we're new in this faith thing and we've held on to these things. God, just, just a little bit of, of security from what our world was, from what our life was. God, give us the strength and the courage to say, not anymore. I'm ready to pursue you. I'm ready to follow you. And God, for those of us that, that have been saved for, for decades even, God, and something has crept up in our lives, God, and, and this message has brought it to our attention. Give us the strength to walk away. Give us the strength to say, that was my old way. That's not part of my future. It's not part of the life that Jesus has provided for me. God, give us the courage to see it, the strength to walk away. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Journey Church, I love you. There is nothing you can do about it. Each week, we are getting closer and closer to our relaunch. I hope you have that date on your calendar, September 13th. We're gonna be back in this place. I am so excited to see you. Our staff is so excited to see you and to worship with you. Please make plans to join us. September 13th, 
right here for our first in-person gathering. For those of you that want to stay home, that you still don't feel comfortable coming in, or to be honest, you just like the online experience, we will continue to put our messages live. We're going to start streaming them live so you'll be with us or a part of what we're doing every Sunday morning. We can't wait to see you. Let us know uh, where you're watching from and how we can help in your lives if we can at all. I love you. Have a great week. See you next time.